0: Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news.
1: Oh my goodness, it is Pastor Overload on the good news today. Very exciting. Uh, Pastor Moreland running a little late, and I I think he's going to be here in a minute, as he often is on Tuesdays. Therapist Lisa is out today, but we have back with us Pastor John Byrne. Hello, John. Hey, how's it going, Angie? Uh, Really well, thank you. Thanks for coming in. And we also have in Pastor Daniel Henderson, and uh, he is with Strategic Renewal, and you said uh, Daniel that your mission is to ignite the heart of the church
2: that's right Angie and it's oh. a joy to be with you today as well thank, thank you. you I love pastors <laughs> so yeah. do we yeah yeah
1: I mean it takes a certain heart as you know uh, Pastor Henderson to, uh, to to do what you guys do because it's all about giving like you're like Jesus with skin but you're still human so you're like You're called to give, 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 but you're still human, so your nature is like, well, I want something, too. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we
2: don't quite have the unselfishness or capacity that Jesus did, but uh, (laughs) he lives in us and helps us, right?
1: Right, exactly. All right, so we'll start with some good news, and then I want to talk about a couple of current uh, topics, but um, it's interesting because Moose found this, I found this, and also Pastor John, you found this. Um, and it has to do with um, oh, I, I just my heart broke for this girl, this big huge wedding planned. And you know I, this actually happened to my girlfriend. Mm. And uh, what happened is they called the um, rehearsal dinner after her. They were both they were both on the Santa Monica Police Force together. Uh, and my girlfriend uh, he 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 left her like about a week before the wedding, and she decided to still have it. And she they called it a friends uh, a, a dinner. And so my girlfriend, Christine, and I went, and uh, we were sitting in the crowd. I'm like, this is the most depressing Friends Dinner I've ever been to. <laughs> this is horrible. And my friend, my girlfriend was there, and her fiancé, oh, he wow. also was there. Like, they held it together for their friends, even though they weren't going to get married. Isn't that wild? That's Amazing. awkward. Amazing. It was a little bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah, and they like, greeted you, and you're like, "Ah, oh, c- congrats. I mean, sorry.
2: Uh, hi. <laughs> Thanks for the meal anyway. Yeah, right. It was,
1: but this is, um, the the fiance was not there, but the, uh, in fact, neither of them were there. The mother decided they'd have this beautiful wedding dinner. Uh, The the man decided, I want out. Uh, The girl couldn't, didn't have the heart to attend the the, uh, reception, but the mom had this, I mean, five-star meal for homeless people and homeless families. So take a listen to this. Talk about a heart for others.
0: The tables are set, food hot out the oven, and one by one, the guests arrive. These aren't the men, women, and children the Duane family originally planned to host, but they're happy to do it nonetheless.
3: When I found out on Monday that the wedding would not be taking place, it just seemed like, of course, this would be something that we would do to give back.
0: Earlier in the week, the would-be groom got cold feet and called off the wedding. Rather than cancel the $35,000 outing, the bride's family invited the city's homeless for a -a once-in-a-lifetime meal at one of Sacramento's finest hotels. I think it's very generous, actually, to. out on something so important to yourself and then give it to someone else is like really giving. Many came with their families, giving their kids a rare night out. When you're going through a hard time
4: and a struggle, for you to get out to do something different and with your family, you know, it was a, really a blessing.
0: <laughs> the food is similar to what you'd find at the hotel's four star restaurant, Grange. There's salad, cauliflower, gnocchi, salmon, even tri tip. THERE'S PLENTY TO GO AROUND. 120 PEOPLE WERE INVITED TO THE WEDDING BEFORE IT GOT CANCELLED.
4: THIS IS NOT COMING OUT OF OUR KITCHEN. WE LOVE OUR CHEF, BUT uh, HE WOULDN'T BE PREPARING NOTHING LIKE THIS.
0: Well, FULL STOMACHS AND SMILES ARE EVERYWHERE, THE NIGHT IS STILL PAINFUL FOR THE DUANES. THEIR 27-YEAR-OLD DAUGHTER CHOSE TO STAY HOME.
3: I FEEL A LOT OF HEARTACHE AND HEARTBREAK FOR HER. Um, but, BUT I... I will take away something really good from this. I will.
0: Turning a night that was supposed to be about their family into one that takes care of others.
1: Wow. I mean, you know, they made the best of a really bad situation. Pastor Merlin just came in. Pastor Merlin, we just shared a, I, I guess it's good news, you know, the, the 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 wedding didn't go through. So the mom of the bride said, let's have the homeless people come to this beautiful, you know, high-end reception. And that's what they did, homeless families, and they felt blessed by it. And what are you going to do if you spent thirty five grand on dinner? You might as well bring people who will appreciate it.
5: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, there's two sides of this story. One, $35,000. Wow. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> you know? bit
1: much for, yeah, reception. Yeah. yeah.
5: You know, I, I, sometimes I think, you know, the amount of money people spend, I go, maybe a down payment on a house would be good, you know, yeah. invest in the in the long-term Yeah. You know, why do we
1: put so much on the... Um- on the ceremony, I mean, you know what I mean, like I'm not, you know what I'm saying, like on the, the this the night. Why do we put so much money into that? And Pastor Moreland is not a Mr. Romance when it comes to how he talks that to is couples. Not true. You no, know, you say to couples. I mean, you might be with your wife, but when you talk, well, when, is, when so you this get is before couples, the wedding. yeah, before the wedding, he sits him down and says that two couples in <laughs> a thousand square foot condo is a recipe for disaster, and you better know what you're doing. <laughs>
6: well, uh, it is. It's like you're two different sexes, two different parts of the country, two different ideals about everything from. Which way the toilet paper should fall to how we discipline kids? Yes. That is a recipe for disaster without God.
1: Right. Without God. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. So I think they made that. But, you know, and also I do think that if the groom really had cold feet, I I do think you need to step back. Absolutely. Maybe before the week before, you know, the wedding. (laughs) Like, you know, you might know, you might have an inkling prior to that. Yeah. Or say, let's just do a backyard wedding because I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Uh, yeah backyard
6: wedding or the Taj Mahal married is married you know I I think you know if you got the courage to say I'm not sure about this you know how much is your future worth is what I tell people no kidding
2: absolutely all right we're wired to celebrate of course that's the way God's made us so you can imagine people wanting to make weddings good but we also based on our values have a stewardship right so uh, you know a down payment on a house or something a little more practically good but you know they salvaged it and a lot of people were helped and it yeah. Is it is, so well, and yeah. I think
5: I think there's a therapeutic side to that, too. Something, you know, something bad happened. You know, there's this tragedy of sorts. And, and to turn around and be outward focused, that's therapeutic. It's, yeah. ther- mm-hmm. you know, Therapy yeah. Tuesday. So, Amen. you know, it's well, good to be able to look outward. Blessed to
2: give.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, the daughter couldn't come. But, you know, mom was there, and she 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 held up all right. All right. I have one more good news story uh, to share. And then, Pastor Moreland, as you join the other two pastors today, um, this might be good for you, too, because uh, uh, Pastor Daniel Henderson over here at the end of the table, He's with Strategic Renewal, and he's all about uh, igniting the heart of a church and making sure you pastors take care of yourselves, and uh, now soon to be a father of six with a church and also in the Air Force as a chaplain, and also taking classes. I, you know, you might need a little rest from time to time, so it might, <laughs> might, be a, might might be a God-ordained message for uh, you, Pastor Morland. All right, let's um, talk about the soldier's mom, this blue star flag. Now, recently we did a story about um, a veteran, and he had this really beautiful home, and he was reti- a retiree with um, a flagpole in the front yard, and then the homeowners decided that, uh, well, you think you need to remove your flagpole, and I mean, it's just beautiful, and it's like honoring our country. I mean, really? That's something that you have to remove from your home? Well, here's a Another silly one and in that one he got like special you know I like, gave him like a special free pass in this one it bite. is in this one it has to do with the mother of a military man he serves in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, various tours and when he comes home he stays with his mom at her condo real nice condo nice neighborhood she has a tiny little uh, star flag which is in some way honoring the military and it's white it's about as big as a piece of paper and has uh, red around it and a little blue star for a year it's been hanging in her window and no one noticed but now she's gotten a notice from the homeowners association she has to remove it and she's not real happy about it so take a listen
2: you could drive by Donna Mori's home in the Tarrington Village Townhome complex and never even see it. There it is in the window of the upstairs bedroom used by Army Major Donald Mori when he's home in between tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. White with a red border and a big blue star in the middle. When you look at that banner, what, what does it mean to you? Pride. Pride in my son. PRIDE IN WHAT HE'S DOING. THE SO-CALLED BLUE STAR MOM BANNER IS JUST 8 INCHES WIDE AND 14 INCHES LONG. BUT IT'S NOT THE DIMENSIONS THAT HAVE NEIGHBORS HERE IN A BIT OF A SNIT. SMALL BANNER, BIG PROBLEM. I GUESS YOU COULD SAY THAT. YEAH. DONNA SAYS THE BANNER HAD BEEN UP FOR NEARLY A YEAR WHEN SHE GOT A CALL MONDAY SAYING SHE MAY BE RUNNING AFOUL OF THE HOMEOWNERS ASSOCIATION RULES. THEY STATE ONLY WHITE OR OFF WHITE WINDOW TREATMENTS MAY BE VISIBLE FROM OUTSIDE THE HOME.
0: SO THE RED AND THE BLUE WERE put you that's in
1: trouble right, yeah that that's what put me in trouble I guess you got to be kidding me are they serious so she's supposed to write a letter to see if you know she can keep it up and I just think that common sense isn't that common anymore once you're aware of why she has it up would it be okay or do you have to follow the rules and write the letter and have the it's the architecture committee needs to give her approval to have this to honor her son who's in the military
5: yeah, I think there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, and people get caught up in the letter of law. You're technically, you maybe you're breaking the law, but the, you're not doing any harm to what the law was there for. It reminds the me of the for. kid
1: who's honoring his Marine brother, and he has that, you know, the boots with the gun and that helmet on it. Yeah. You know, honoring dead soldiers. Well, he's got a brother in the Marines, and he wore it to school, and he got suspended because you're not supposed to have guns on your shirts. I don't think that that's like I don't I don't think that's what the rule was for. Right. Right. And he's suspended, I believe, for five days.
5: Yeah, and it's crazy what how people respond to things and you know there's a picture of a gun becomes violent somehow and uh or or whatever people are looking for reasons to be offended in our culture i think no
6: doubt about that you always say that pastor Moran. you say oh, we yeah. kind of like,
1: we're looking for reasons to we're be so offended so
6: sensitive about every stinking thing it <laughs> makes me
2: sick does it really pastor <laughs> 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 i'm feeling just good enough to tell you how i feel today. <laughs> and it's hard i mean i was actually the president of a homeowner situation oh uh, so once. the other once, side. So, You know, people do understand these things when they sign up to be part of the community, right? Okay, all right. And she had an emotional and very valid reason to want to be the exception to the rule, but I'm sure the people in charge are getting heat from everybody, and they're in a tough situation. I mean, it is what it is. You would think that patriotism, though, the spirit of that would probably outweigh the again rigidity of these rules, especially in light of the sun, and just yes. an appreciation for what he's done to sacrifice for the country. Right, and yeah. that's
1: what we hope. Yep. All right, in the next segment, we want to talk a little bit more about what Pastor Henderson does for other pastors, but I wanted to cover this uh, current event, and we waited for you, Pastor Morland, because I just had this feeling that you'd have strong feelings about this. <laughs> so, you know, in light of uh, Lamar Odom's successful NBA career, yeah. Franklin Graham has spoken out, and I think that when um, you get a man who's a six foot ten, uh, genetic gifted basketball player who's given everything the world can offer on a silver platter, you know, money, um, marriage at some point, um, you know, the millions and the house and the fancy cars and all the friends and really nice, probably Nike shoes. I'll bet he probably has his own shoe, Pastor. (laughs) Uh, And then then you're found um, frothing at the mouth um, in a brothel um, of a drug, allegedly a drug overdose, Um, Franklin Graham uh, spoke out and he said Lamar Odom was looking for something at a brothel to ease the pain and void deep inside his heart instead it has devastated his life God made you he loves you who wants to give you life peace hope and the only way is through trusting in his son Jesus Christ And then he tagged Lamar Odom, hoping that Lamar will eventually get this message because he's supposedly out of his coma now. But I think that's what the good news is all about. It's to help people like the Lamar Odoms out there who aren't finding any peace or any happiness or any hope within their own lives and everything the world's given them. And I think that that's what we're all about. And I I, I just felt for his children as I saw him going into, you know, the hospital and that that's what had become of their father that they, I'm sure, idolize.
6: Yeah, I would 100 percent. Agree with everything that Reverend Graham said, um,
1: and, and me, <laughs> and, and, of course, and, and, and your yeah. ditto, And, yes, and, yes, and it yes, was a yes, very, yes. very well done thank ditto. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I've been compared to the Grams in terms of my speaking. Yeah, <laughs>
6: speaking <of bodies. laughs> it's the voice. I can see yes. how they get you confused. Yes, yeah, really yeah, 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 um, yeah. I would wholeheartedly agree with that, and you know, I listened to I listened to some of the things he said, not about this, but I, I saw some videos. You know that some of the the smut web pages had attached to him from. A we're not year talking. Ago, we're,
1: or, we're talking like gossip. Yeah, gossip. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gossip uh, pages that they had attached to him. And yes. I listened
6: to his reasoning, and you can hear uh, how so many athletes. I'm going to say in, in this context uh, are their gifting is ahead of their character and their maturity. Um, and I listened to some of the things he talked about with respect to how he felt like the media had been treating him. And I listened to the pain that he talked about that was outlined in an article about so much death and loss. Yeah,
1: because he lost he his mom dreams. when he was 12. His father, I believe, had some kind of substance abuse problem. And yes. then he's lost a lot of friends. Like death surrounds him was one of the quotes that I'd read about him.
6: And I'm certainly not making an excuse for, you know, his actions. Um, but I've learned over the years that I don't just listen to what people do, but I want to hear their story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm reminded of Jesus in the gospel of John and the disciples or the Pharisees bring in this lady who had been caught in adultery and, uh, and she had five husbands and Jesus forgives her for her sin and, and, uh, tells her that he doesn't condemn her. And one of the things that I think about now when I look at stuff like that, or the Lamar Odoms of the world is... How did you get here?
1: Right, how did you, what happened to yeah. you? What hurt you so much that you're yeah. here? And I personally feel from somebody from a, a a broken background that when he, this the Kardashian family, he saw as his savior family. They were going to love him. He had a mom and a dad. Bruce Jenner was an athlete as well. And initially, when they, you know, the the, the you know, they were together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Jenner was still married into that family. And uh, you know, I saw a conversation once with him, very fatherly towards him. And he saw all this this family. All of a sudden, he had. Mm-hmm. And then, as he started to kind of go down that slippery slope of falling into the drugs or whatever it was that he did again, um, he was losing uh, once again this family. And so. Regardless of their flaws or faults, I don't know that much about them. I think he thought he had something there. And that was yet another huge loss for him when that marriage disintegrated. So, uh, yet again, something that he felt um, was crushing him or destroying him. Yeah, what got him there? Obviously, in a lot of pain. Yeah,
6: a great deal of pain and, frankly, a low capacity to deal with it. Because the things that you read, wow, a lot of loss uh, you and I know people who who deal with and process and live through these things every day. Right. Uh, so a great deal of pain and, and a very low capacity to deal with. And I've got my ideologies about how that develops and and so on and so forth, but um again, I, I want to hear people's story. How did
1: you yeah. get here and 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 I know I'd love to And uh, hear what if, Jesus if, can do. If you're do listening Lamar, you know when you feel better call us. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to know. Yeah. You, I, yeah. but you almost want to like I mean, you can pray for him, but you want to reach out and shake him and like give him a little hope, and you f- you hope someone is in his life that isn't just a um what, what do they call them yes men? Right. You know, they're po- they're are surrounded by a posse of yes men, and they want to hang on and and, and fly with Lamar in his private jet, and they want to go to the hotels, and they want to go to Vegas, they want to go to the brothel with him, like right. they want all that stuff, and so they don't say no. It's kind of like Elvis, like he was nobody mm-hmm. was around him to say no.
5: Yeah, and I think the, what, the key word that you said was hope, and and even as you were talking about him being married into the you know the Kardashian fa- family. Which and we all never talk about and, them in the show. They're yeah. generally not <laughs> the topic of the show, but anyway, go ahead. But but to find hope in the right thing, and yes. that's what I think Franklin Graham was really driving at, yes. is you can have hope in uh, a human but eventually they'll let you down in one way or another. That's why we need hope in Jesus Christ and in an Amen. eternity future. And, and to offer that and say, that's where you can find hope. You can have hope in other places and it can even be fulfilled to some degree. But our ultimate hope must be found in Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And I think the key that the gospel uh, really brings someone's life is a a meaningful sense of identity. And I think, you know, Odom, others who are are famous or wealthy or whatever, they attach their identity to those things. And when it doesn't go right... Uh, they fall apart, you know. And I, I'm always mindful of Christ's first thing when He his public ministry began was a father affirming his identity. You're my beloved son. First mm-hmm. thing the devil went after in the wilderness if you are the son of God. And I think identity is the core issue that gets so transformed by the gospel. And without the gospel, people like Odom and others are just, their life's falling apart because they are attached, their identity, to things that are so fragile. That mean so, nothing, well you said. know.
1: Uh, pastor Merlin is like, I need mean, to say that, uh, past, that Charles Stanley is my favorite pastor. He's one of them because Pastor Merlin's well, the, the also, three us course yes yeah. of course. and Charles Stanley today said I didn't make the list Charles Stanley <laughs> Charles Stanley today said um if you think oh that person in my church I can count on them and count on that one and that one and that one he goes you will be let down yeah, yeah. you will yeah. be let down yeah, that sure Jesus will. is that that's who you're going to count on. That's right. Um, and so before we go to break, because um, we are going to talk about strategic renewal with uh, you, Pastor Daniel Henderson. So give the other pastors and you listening, listen up. We want to find out what strategic renewal is about. Tell us about it before we go to break. Yeah,
2: so I was a senior pastor for 30 years, and two of those churches were situations where I followed a scandalous moral failure in large churches, so cleaning up oh, the financial. Oh, so came in afterwards. Yeah, okay, so okay. I, I've seen that pain and devastation, and it gave to me a great passion to help pastors survive, you know, and obviously the damage it's done to their families, their ministry, and the cause of Christ is so significant, oh, yes. and so our ministry really is designed to ignite the heart of the church, very attached to the role of prayer and renewal in a pastor's life and in a church's life. I mean, by and large, we we tend to be a prayerless culture in America, and particularly even in the American church. So. Uh, we went full-time. I was a pastor in a church of 4,500 people, jumped off the cliff without a parachute eight years ago. Race support started over, and our whole ministry is trying to restore pastors back to not only priorities that make for spiritual vibrancy, uh, but especially to, to mobilize the body of Christ to pray for their pastors. And like being that. Pastor Appreciation oh, Month is a good time. He'll,
1: I'll just get an email, and I, I think it's to me, like, could you pray for me today? And it's to everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's to everyone in the church,
1: and he's like, please pray for me. Me today or whatever it is yeah. I mean, he lays it out there it's a win because yeah. we need the
2: prayer and the people need the practice right Isn't so that uh, nice to have those amen. mass
1: emails that you can just send out and ask for prayer well I'm gonna ask you other pastors then to be real transparent with him and we're gonna tackle some of the issues that you as pastors face and get his advice on how he advises pastors and churches to deal with them amen. sound good, good all amen. right we'll be right back good. with the good news
5: 810 KLVZ listen online and check out showtimes at
4: klvz.com it's harvest time at the farm the 13th annual fall festival at Denver Rescue Mission's Harvest Farm. The 209 acre farm can hardly contain all the fall festival fun. The whole family can enjoy a traditional corn maze as well as a petting zoo and hay wagon rides from 10 to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays and noon to 7 on Sundays. All new this season is Fright Free Family Day on October 31st, where the gross and gory can stay at home. There will be costume contest, peanut free trick or treating and more. Proceeds from the festival will help the new life program at Harvest Farm, an outreach of the Denver Rescue Mission. This program has been helping men overcome homelessness and addiction so they can return to society as productive and self-sufficient citizens. Join in on the fun every weekend this October. Come in this weekend. It'll be over before you know it. For tickets and all the details can be found at harvestfarm.net slash fall festival. Denver Rescue Mission, changing lives in the name of Christ.
1: Hi, it's Angie. Would you like to have a bigger business or grow your nonprofit and make more money for your charity? I would love to help you. If you like the good news, if you believe in what we do, we work with our sponsors personally. And I have friendships. I know everyone that works on the good news as an advertiser myself. And so I would love to help you build your business. And I would love to have you help support the good news if you enjoy it. And I love to work with nonprofits, as you know. So please contact me if you have questions. and angieaustinnews at gmail.com again it's angieaustinnews at gmail.com if you'd like to partner with the good news when achieving your dreams
3: is a bit more difficult than you thought infinite nation is here to help carrie conley is the co-creator of infinite nation and she knows that when your vision is big enough you can create infinite success go to InfiniteNation.com to learn more about the upcoming vision is victory workshop on august 27th and get your tickets During this all-day event, Carrie will teach you how easy it is to get yourself on the right path to making your big dreams a reality. She will show you how to reconnect with and clarify your vision and create measurable and achievable goals for the short and long-term success. If you are unable to attend the Vision is Victory event on August 27th, you can still make your dreams a reality by requesting a free Vision Check phone call with Carrie Conley. She will help you discover how easy it is to get yourself on the journey to achieve your dreams. Call 720-331-8693, 720-331-8693, and go to InfiniteNation.com.
5: You're listening to KLVZ and KLVZ HD, Brighton, Denver, and online at klvz.com.
1: Welcome back to the Good News. Wow, we are pastored out today. How cool is this to have? This is the this is three pastors in the room. This is the most I've ever had on the Good News at once. Generally, I can only handle one of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pastor John Moreland here, Denver Christian Bible Church, and also back again, Pastor John Byrne. Tell us a little about yourself, John.
5: Yeah, um, I've been in Colorado for seven years. Originally from Minnesota, I was uh, an associate in an associate pastor position at the Rock for uh, almost seven years, and then. Were uh, you
1: thirties? In your thirties
5: when i came out here
1: no y- now you're not now in your 30s? Oh. no
5: i'm in i'm in my 40s oh
1: so we got pastor morland in his 30s you in your 40s i like that 50s yeah, 50s? yeah. yeah kind of uh we got different generations yeah. here as well yep. all right and uh you've been joining me weekly and and you and moose know each other from yep.
5: from the rock and now i'm I'm currently at grace fellowship in lakewood as lead pastor oh excellent so, yep. all
1: right i thought you were didn't he look young
0: Yes, he does. Yeah, must as be as 29. Right. It must, yeah, no. it must be the
1: Jesus in him. I mean, he
0: looks good. Yeah, you go yeah. yeah. much leak, then, because yeah. I don't look young. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean,
3: they're
2: kids, you know.
7: Come on. All right.
1: And also, Pastor Daniel Henderson, his first time here, and he is going to talk to us about strategic renewal and their mission to ignite uh, the heart of a church. Uh, he's the president and founder. As you mentioned, you were a lead pastor over 30 years, left a big church, jumped in about eight years ago, and you really want churches to be praying for their pastors. And uh, obviously, you felt uh, a real passion for this to leave your church and do this.
2: Yeah, I sure did. You know, and the, and the ultimate end game is revival. You know, I, I'm convinced that short of revival, the American church is running laps on the Titanic in our fancy spandex. You know, we uh, we really need a great work of God. And unfortunately, you know, what's going on in the culture is tough, but it's waking us up to the reality that, that we really need something supernatural if we're going to transform the culture. And in that, pastors are special targets. You know, I always say I'm not much of a That's bowler. A good point. But, That's point. Uh, special target. You you can't get a strike if you don't hit the head pin, you know, (laughs) and the devil knows that. And pastors aren't any more important than anyone else, obviously, but they are more strategic targets. And as I mentioned earlier, having been a guy who was the cleanup uh, person in some major fallout... You came into
1: a church after there was major like moral fallout, financial fallout, and then you had to come in and and sweep up the mess. Yeah,
2: not something you planned to do in seminary. I guess the Lord knew I was up to it. One was in California. One was in Minnesota, actually, in the Twin Cities area. And uh, you just learn a lot. And, you know, these were good men who, over time, made some bad decisions. It cost them their ministry, in one case, a marriage. Uh, But also, I believe they were pastoring churches that should have done more to pray for them. Mm. Uh, you know, it's hard to be an intercessor and a critic at the same time. I think when we pray for our pastors, it does something in us. But the Bible's really clear about this amazing connection between the prayers of God's people and the success, fulfillment, and fruitfulness of our spiritual leaders. And so we all have to own this and and really take it seriously. Amen.
1: Yeah, and Pastor Morland, you're real open. When you need prayer or you're having a tough week, you email us all. Or yeah. you just say what you're praying about and ask us to join in or fast with you.
6: Yeah, prayer is one of the things we value. Uh, I believe in its power. Uh, I've seen it do great things in, in my life and in the lives of, of people around me. In fact, I would go so far as to say I think it's one of the most underutilized tools in the Christian yeah. arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Really you guys think yeah, so, too. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And you think about Jesus, and he was often one way to pray. And if if the Son of God, you know, the second person of, of the Trinity needs to go to pray to the Father, how much more do we need that time that with, with with our God and our Savior, not only just so that we're rejuvenated, but to bring things before Him and allow Him to be God to us.
2: Yeah, yeah. Early in the, our ministry, Strategic Renewal, we raised funds to help pastors get to retreat centers to, to stay in oh, the to fight. to renew. Yeah. But now we're a little bit more on the front end, the intentional side. We started a national fellowship a number of years ago with about 50 pastors. Jim Simbola of the Brooklyn Tabernacles, our national chairman, really helping pastors realign their priorities. because. I believe that the devil doesn't have to destroy a pastor, he simply has to distract him. Mm. And, uh, you know, you look at the priorities in the early church where the apostles said, no, we're not going to actually personally reorganize the widow feeding program in Acts 6, which was a very important program to the heart of God, because we're going to give ourselves continued to prayer and the ministry of the Word. But if you really look at the schedule and priorities of what pastors do with their time today, I mean, they're always living on the edge of burnout. They can't do everything, they can't please everyone, and that's rooted, I think, in a failure of priorities. I always say that the power of no is in a stronger yes you know the ability to say no to all these demands has to be rooted in really clear yeses and so part of what we're trying to do is really help pastors help one another to stay focused on the things that make for spiritual vibrancy and and really supernatural ministry in the context of the church because we feel like that's really the 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 organic reality of spiritual health
1: i remember the first time that pastor morland you joked about you know because i i've heard many of his sermons I, and you said, I'm sure I'm going to get some calls about this one or something to that effect, and I at some point said to you, oh, do you get much criticism or people criticize the pastor's sermon? And Because I don't go into a sermon like that. I'm not looking for trouble. Yeah. i'm looking to learn or be encouraged or uh to you know uh feel some peace or you know advance my walk so i'm not looking to dissect and i'm not saying we shouldn't go into a sermon you know with an you know a, a discerning mind but um you you laughed at me like yeah we get criticized <laughs> and i was like you really like people yeah. pick you apart <laughs> and i thought and then just today i did an interview with a um fr- a, a guy from uh, denver seminary he's a professor and a uh, counselor was it? um uh, uh, a, a Ron Welch, and he wrote a book about control. Um, he's like a recovering controlling husband, and he said um, in church. There's a lot of control, yeah. you know. Uh, th- he said they become the um, like the bu- the uh, Sunday school police. Oh no, we only meet in that room. Where that's right. where we bring the guitar. <laughs> and that's where we sing. Jesus loves me. We go in the blue room. That's the way we've done <laughs> it since 1972, and we're not changing. <clears throat> and he talked about the level of control sometimes sure. in the church. And I was just kind of taken aback. Like if somebody's sitting in my regular seat, I'm cool with that. I'll say hello. Not like, well, you know, I normally come early to sit right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
6: To answer your question, yes, uh, there is a great deal of criticism for the pastors. I thank God for the last three years I've been in, I think, a healthy place, and I haven't seen a ton of that yeah, from within, that. Yeah. but you know, certainly still from without. But yeah, uh, I have served ministries where um, you'd wake up to emails or you'd end a week oh, with that's an stressful. email. Oh, it's unbelievably stressful. Uh, it creates a great deal of insecurity, or at least it did for well, me. Is it
1: hard to preach when oh. you're like walking on eggshells? Oh, you're all nodding. Yeah, <laughs> you're all
5: nodding. yeah people will people will uh, critique your, the illustration you use. You know, they'll they'll oftentimes ta- oftentimes people will misunderstand something you said, and there's not. You know, I want to be careful here because I think there are a lot of very good and oh, charitable yeah. people, and, people. And, and 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 that kind of thing. But sometimes it's it's there's, they don't approach the message with charity. And remember, hey, we mess up. We 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 talk a lot in front of people. Eventually, we're gonna say something yeah. stupid or you know something we shouldn't have said. And yeah. and yeah, it it can be. And it not only is it hard on us and our insecurities, but then we go home. You yep. know, and it's our kids and yeah. it's our, it's our yeah, wife. Pastor and wife,
1: wife always tells him he is not a comedian. He is a pastor. He <laughs> <laughs> the comedy up for the professional. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, early on in my ministry, one of my mentors said something I never forgot. He said, the number one sin of the local church is a critical spirit. I was in my twenties at that time. And, you know, years later, I believe that to be true. But here's an insight I gained from a friend of mine, Leith Anderson. You guys may know mm-hmm. who he is. Um, pastor for many years. He now heads the National Association of Evangelicals. We were talking about what makes ministry harder today than a hundred years ago he said something very insightful he said a hundred years ago the only way you could compare your pastor with another pastor was to go on vacation right oh, he said today you yeah. walk into a church and every pastor in America is compared to the composite of the best of the best of the best I mean you mentioned Charles Stanley yeah. you know who's great but they walk in they say man this guy's not as deep as John MacArthur he's not as interesting as Chuck oh, doll he's not as caring as Charles Stanley not as clever as Andy Stanley certainly doesn't have the hair and teeth of Joel Olstein you know where do we <laughs> <laughs> get this dud and and there's this subtle sense of oh. nobody can measure up anymore because everybody's getting the edited versions of course of the best of the best and it just creates a spirit up i think in and gratitude and subtle criticism and, and it makes it a tougher society to lead in interesting i never thought about that yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah, and there's people in in my church that tell me all the pastors they listen to on podcasts oh, yeah. and things. Oh I every heard so and so today. And and to be clear, I'm glad. I oh, want yeah. them to be yeah. hearing the word as much and as possible. All over the
1: radio
3: and absolutely, all over the internet.
5: yeah. And, and I'm thankful for that. I listen to other pastors, but but there is that that sense of of man, you're. The pressure's on to hit a home run every week. And that's just not realistic.
1: Well, what do you guys think you need? Because I I joked around with Pastor Moreland once before I got my nationally syndicated show that I do as well, that I was kind of praying about it. And I'm like, well, I think Pastor Moreland's sermons, like, I think he could be on, you know, the international stage. Like, I think he's exceptional. So I thought to myself, why can't I minister to, if I have one station or 100 stations, why can't I minister just to the people, um, you know, listening right now? And that made me more satisfied with where I was last year because I thought, Pastor Morlands just at our church. He's not all over the airwaves and I think he's exceptional. So why can't I be happy being on one station? You know what I mean? And it made me go, Wow, I have I have a purpose, whether it's a 1, thousand, a hundred, or one stations, that you're still ministering. It doesn't have to be big to make a difference.
0: Yeah.
1: You know?
6: What I try to remind pastors is Jesus is coming back. To settle the account of your faithfulness with what He has given to you, mm-hmm. uh, and I appreciate you saying that. And those words are humbling and kind. I'm not sure how true they are. <sighs> she may need some lying, <laughs> some lying counseling. She may over need to here, watch more know. pastors on TV. <laughs> 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 but they're very humbling. But what I tell pastors is, and I'm and I'm learning better over the last few years to do this. Just be faithful over what God has given you. Right. I used Good to point. see that as kind of a cliche and. Something guys guys said to just kind of pat you on the back and rub you right, on the head and right, make right. you feel make yeah. you feel better, yeah. but I really have come to believe that you see these guys on TV or you see guys who are the big names, and and without going into too much detail, most people have no clue as to how they got there why they're there. Sometimes it's a matter of who your mentor was, what your last name is, who you met. It's so many factors that you can't control right. that if you spend your days and nights staying awake, and, and and God knows I'm certainly not trying to cast shade over what they're doing. I mean, many of them are doing a great work. But if you spend your days and nights worried about all the factors you can't control, you won't be effective there or where right. you are. So
1: just, right. just just be faithful. Yeah, That's with right. what you have where you are. Yeah. Well, what do you you know? Since we have a pastor here who helps other pastors, uh, Pastor John and Pastor John, <laughs> 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 um, you, you you two, what what would what do you guys need? What do you feel that would be helpful to, be, to uplift you? And again, we're not. As you put casting shade on anyone, anyone in the congregation, but what would help you guys? He mentioned praying more for pastors? Is there something that you feel you struggle with, or someone you know people listening might be able to bring something to their church to their pastor to kind of help them in their journey to minister to their congregations?
5: yeah, you know I think the the thing that that I'd probably struggle with the most is my own insecurities. you know I get inside my own head and i and i and I come up with all kinds of reasons why you know. I might be questioned or, or, you know, all the mistakes I might make. And, um, I don't know how everybody else with is with that, but when you have a, a congregation of people who are, who are watching you and they're watching closely and, and t- for them to realize, Hey, I'm, I'm a sinner just like everybody else saved by grace. And so I'm going to make mistakes. And, and so when I, when that happens, look for opportunities, I think as a congregant to extend grace to your pastor, you know, I to, like to make sure they know they're loved and, and and their insecurities, whatever they might be, um, shouldn't rule them, but they have a group of people who, who really love them and cherish them and, and, and want to follow their leadership.
6: Mm. Gosh, I, I was thinking as he was talking, I, I struggle with a lot of things. I don't know that I could boil it down to one. I think probably. They have several insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think what I need the most is probably a solid network uh, that I can turn to. What I find is pastors stay so busy, self-included, that it's very, very tough to find a dependable, consistent network of people that you can just talk to, pray with, share with, bounce ideas off of. And so I've got some good mentors and some a few good peers in my life, but the idea of getting that in a concerted way on an ongoing, consistent basis has been challenge. And there's probably a lot of other people who may be depending on me in that respect who would say the same thing.
2: Hmm.
1: Hmm. That's interesting because I think it'd be cool to do like a you know we do a lot of Skype meetings you know with um, a lot of the people I work with and you know maybe pastors to get together or you know for coffee or even like if they are at some distance because you guys are so busy those Skype calls are so cool because you can see each other yeah. I just think that that's but you know you're saying real life real people that you could reach out and touch and say hey I need to chat today you know can we meet for coffee and to have someone that can mentor you as a pastor a safe place that's it's safe yeah that is a <laughs> Good Safe point. point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, the two issues they identified insecurity and isolation are just rampant. Oh. Um, you know, we talked about insecurity earlier, and I think even for pastors, in fact, I, I got a renewal process of my own where every day I reiterate my biblical identity because I always say the hardest thing about the Christian life and pastoring is it's so daily, you know, and every day you got to come back to the things that don't change about who you are in Christ, not what your people say you are or what they say you aren't. And then isolation is so key. I mean, I think the enemy, if he can get us, you know, separated from other life-giving relationships, that's where we really begin to get in trouble. And, you know, part of what we're doing is trying to help pastors connect with each other, particularly around the area of just prayer and the Word, and we have a lot of mechanisms to do that. Guys can do that locally. But, you know, we know the old adage, if the devil can't make you bad, he just keeps you busy, you know, and the the busyness can can fuel isolation Uh, and it can also be a way we're trying to treat our our insecurity Mm -hmm. and i think both of those just we really need uh, that that intimacy with the lord it sounds so simple but that helps us really address those issues on a daily basis
1: what else do you find you know um, isolation insecurity what other things do you see pastors struggle with a lot
2: well, obviously, you know, they're besetting sins, you know, and the whole pornography thing has not skipped over pastors. And that's one of them that's very hard for them to address and deal with, you know. And again, that's where I think a collegial commitment of praying together with other leaders uh, to the point where you can make sure that or some fractures in your marriage, you know, th- there are those certain things that are just hard to be transparent about.
1: Right. How could, do you, where, Who do you go to for, you know, counseling in your marriage? you tell your congregation, hey, by the way, we're really <laughs> hitting a rough patch? So we need some help at our marriage. Pray for us, yeah. would you? Well, you know, I'm
2: just I'm working on a book with Moody right now, and I was just writing on this yesterday that you don't share your private struggles publicly. You start by sharing them personally with a tight knit circle of spouse, friends, counselors, mentors. You only share them publicly when you have really learned the lessons that are going Ah, to help other people. And you don't share for you, you share for them, you know. Like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks very candidly about this thing to the third heaven and his thorn in the flesh, and God didn't answer my prayers. But he didn't do it to draw attention to himself. He he did it to help people exalt the grace of Christ. And I think for us, we've just got to learn to process these things in a trusted circle. And then as we work through it, to empower our people in ways that point to Christ, not to us, if that makes any sense, you know. Yeah. And oh, I, think there's, I think
5: there's responsibility on both sides of the equation with that too, both on the church's side and on the pastor's side to go, hey, I, I need accountability in my life. I need to do these things. You need, you know, as a pastor, I need to help my, under, my elder board understand how to hold me accountable in the right ways and to how to, how to make sure that I'm healthy. Yeah. And that benefits them ultimately, but, but they've got to play a role in that. I have a question. Uh, so is your ministry geared more toward,
6: the pastor directly or how the church undergirds the pastor
2: Yes. Yeah. We, we actually have two branches <laughs> yeah. of the ministry. One's Good. called Strategic Renewal, yeah. and that's all about mobilizing prayer in the churches, helping develop cultures yeah. of prayer. Of course, the pastor's key to that, but getting the people to the place where they really take this seriously. My house should be called a house of prayer, so let's yeah. figure that out. But then the other side is this fellowship of pastors where we're really trying to strengthen and connect pastors. Well, yeah.
1: give your website, uh, Pastor Daniel Henderson, for Strategic Renewal.
2: Yeah, uh, so strategicrenewal.com is what we do to help churches. Yes. And then the one for pastors is called 64fellowship.com, which is from acts 6 6-4, 64fellowship.com.
1: Excellent. All right. Pastor John Byrne.
5: Yeah, gfol.org is Grace Fellowship of Lakewood. That's our website. Pastor Denver Marlin. Bible.org.
1: And check out the Thursday Night Connect with uh, Pastor Marlin Church, too. My kids love that. We'll be right back.
5: We know that God loves us, and he gave his son for us. This is where love lives. 810-KLVZ
4: It's harvest time at the farm the 13th annual Fall Festival at Denver Rescue Mission's Harvest Farm. The 209-acre farm can hardly contain all the Fall Festival fun. The whole family can enjoy a traditional corn maze, as well as a petting zoo and hay wagon rides from 10 to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays, and noon to 7 on Sundays. All new this season is Fright-Free Family Day on October 31st, where the gross and gory can stay at home. There will be costume contest, peanut-free trick-or-treating, and more. Proceeds from the festival will help the new life program at Harvest Farm, an outreach of the Denver Rescue Mission. This program has been helping men overcome homelessness and addiction so they can return to society as productive and self-sufficient citizens. Join in on the fun every weekend this October. Come in this weekend. It'll be over before you know it. For tickets and all the details can be found at harvestfarm.net slash fall festival. Denver Rescue Mission, changing lives in the name of Christ.
1: Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching, and there's so much love in that church, and I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just... I I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and I I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well,
6: I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we wanna make genuine connections with people, and two, we wanna genuinely connect those people to Jesus.
1: Thursday night we connect, you can go to dinner, you get to know people, and then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning, and I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there, and so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hi, it's Angie Austin. If you ever thought about mentoring someone? Well, guess what? We need you. The Denver Rescue Mission needs mentors for kids and adults. Hello, Alexa, with the Denver Rescue Mission. So how can we help you?
3: Uh, you can sign up to be a mentor for a child or an adult, um, people who are um, in one of the Denver Rescue Mission programs, um, and you basically sign up at denverrescuemission.org. And for mentoring, there's a little bit more involved. You may have to do a background check and some of those things, but it's a, a few times a month commitment and you can spend, you know, an hour or so with a kiddo or an adult and really pour into their lives a little bit when they've come from some some situations in their lives and just be a friend.
1: Yeah, be a friend. And you've been mentoring someone and you find mentoring that young gal very satisfying.
3: I do. I'm mentoring a 14-year-old girl and it's been just a blast. So I really encourage you to, you know, look into it. And give us your website again. DenverRescueMission.org
5: his love expressed for us right here on 810 KOVZ where love lives
1: Welcome, welcome back to the good news. Carrie Conley with Infinite Nation is here, and she helps us reach our dreams. She encourages people, helps them get their vision for their life together, and works with a lot of entrepreneurs. And you said, Carrie, there are five biggies in your whole Vision is Victory plan.
7: Yeah, you know, when I do a workshop, Angie, which you've seen me do, um, I spend a lot of time, first off, talking about why vision is everything and why I call it victory. And a lot of interactions, but I bring it down to five, really, what I call my five biggies, the five biggest reasons why vision is victory. The first one is focus, which you and I both know, and if you talk to anybody, including us, we're all dealing with squirrel syndrome on a regular basis, so we lose focus. Second thing is it helps you make the right decisions with your time and money. Especially again, if you're running a business, it also is more attractable. When you have focus and a vision of your life, you become more joyful and it attracts people more easily to you. Oh yeah. Right. Um, My biggest biggie is that it is, it becomes your anchor in all the storms. My vision has kept me going through all the little stuff and all the really big stuff. Um, It has kept me anchored. And the last thing, and this is where my heart really is right now, especially with the young adults, is that we need people with vision because vision is leadership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point you make about, you know, especially with young adults that, you know, we need leaders in that group mm-hmm. to, you know, rise up and, uh, you know, and to be a positive force for their right. generation. Yes. So, um, in terms of the five biggies, you want to focus on one today.
7: Yeah. So, I thought I'd talk about the one that I hear the most from, especially all the entrepreneurs that I coach. When I ask them to tell me what they're struggling with the most, the biggest thing they tell me right off without even skipping a beat, Angie, is they say, I have a really hard time staying focused. Interesting. Yeah, I get going on something and it feels good and then I see something over here that somebody's doing and I think, oh, that looks good. I think I'll go do that too. Or I see all these networking events that pop up, right, on Meetup or wherever we're going and think, I need to go to all those meetups. And so we run all over town. So focus is a a very, very hard thing for people in this world right now
1: interesting yeah all right so you know when you're working with entrepreneurs and they're feeling discouraged and they've given up and they're like oh my goodness it's october moving into november and i really don't think that i'm going to make my goals for this year right there's still time
7: there is still time so the first thing i want to say about why vision uh, gives you victory over focus is that most of us are focused on the obstacles and everything that's
1: going wrong oh so true we focus on the obstacles
7: Mm -hmm. and what vision does is it helps you stay focused of what is on the other side of those obstacles. So every time, you know, Angie, there were so many times I wanted to quit my first business with Arbon. so many times um, that what kept me going is that my vision of what was on the other side of that obstacle was way bigger. And so it helped me hunker down and stay focused on the keeping my perspective on the right thing. So the right? vision
1: was attached to something bigger, like your family or your children, your you know home and education maybe right. you wanted for them. Like all of those things mm-hmm. that were um, bigger than maybe just getting a nice car.
7: Exactly. You know, my vision was to set an example and to build a legacy. And, you know, when you've told your family that that's what you're doing and everybody else around you on the days that you want to quit, you can't because they're looking at you going, okay, well, if you quit, what am I going to do? Right. And we were counting on you. And what kind of an example would I have set for my kids if every time it got a little rough, I quit? Right. So I had to keep going because the vision was well beyond just earning the car, earning a trip. It was Years down the road,
1: and you've seen the fruits of that in them, haven't you, now that they're grown? Yes,
7: they're pretty amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, they, they
7: are. come to me with their vision and their goals all the time, and it's really
1: cool. I'll bet it is, because they've learned that their goals are achievable by watching you achieve yours all over the years. I love that story about how your kids used to come to you um, every year that Arbonne, because you were a big wig in Mm -hmm. Arbonne, would announce a trip that you could win each year. And they would basically say to you and say, where are we going next year? Because they knew you'd win it. Yeah.
7: They never asked, are you going to get there? They always asked, where are we going? When are we going? Because they knew.
1: I love that. How right. exciting. All right, you've got a big event coming up, and I'm going to join you in Phoenix. Just got my tickets.
7: So excited you're coming I back, know. Angie. We have some amazing stuff planned at, at Vision is Victory, the event in Scottsdale, Arizona, January 14th through the
1: 16th. And then, if they just want to work with you, call you, you know, kind of find out what you're about, your website. Yep. And- InfiniteNation.com. Excellent. And my ticket to Phoenix was, oh, so reasonable. It's yes. great to get my book get it him, now. Get in for under temperatures 100 Temperatures
7: are dropping in Arizona. They are. Thanks, Carrie.
0: Thanks for listening to the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.